Good morning, Christ Church. Go ahead and take a seat. Welcome. Happy New Year. 2024, here we are. I hope the first seven days you've fulfilled all your resolutions and, you know, hopefully you're still riding the, the high of, um, you know, good thoughts and good habits and all that. I'm not feeling that vibe from you, but... <laughs> But it is good to be with you today, and I'm uh, excited just to talk about what I think God has in store for us, um, just as a church and as people. I'm excited to share with you, but just before we do, would you bow your head in prayer with me? Father, we do love you. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given to us today. Thank you for the opportunity, the gift of life that we have. Uh, Lord, that there is another year. We don't know what is ahead. We don't know all that you have in store. But thank you, Father, um, for this gift of life. Help us to make the most of it. Help us to connect with you in a deep, in a real way. Help us to put more effort into our walk with you than we ever have before in the past. And Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified in all that. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the things that I've done for, you know, every new year for like uh, the last several years is I choose a word, you know, to think about, to guide the year. Anyone else do that? Yep, a couple of us. Um, and it's always just kind of a fun thing to do, uh, you know, think about like what I want to focus on or maybe where, where God's leading me and pray about it and then sort of use that a little bit to, to direct and as I was doing it this year, I was kind of thinking about that for myself, but then I thought of a word for our church, and it really resonated with me. And here's what the word is. It's the word effort. And I know maybe that might not be the most exciting word to you off the bat, um, but, but effort, uh, I think, is, is really, really important. Because I was thinking about this. Have you ever had opportunities in life that you look back on and you're like, you know what, I didn't realize what a cool opportunity this was or what a good opportunity this was. And maybe you took it for granted. Maybe you just like coasted through it. Maybe uh, you just flat out wasted it, you know. But can you think about any, any of those moments? And it seems to me more times than not, when you look back, the ingredient that might have been missing was effort. You know, I look at pretty much my whole academic career and I'm like, you know, if I went back... <laughs> I would just put some effort in, amen? Um, you know, that would have helped me out. I could have made this all a lot easier. Or maybe you, you look back if you played sports or something, and you're like, man, if I took that a little more serious, or maybe if I, I trained a little more, I, I could have went farther in that uh, than I did. Or, or, you know, there's so many times where, where we look back, and, and the missing ingredient was effort. And here we are at the beginning of a new year, which is a new opportunity. And I want to invite and challenge each of us to think about approaching this year and putting forth more effort than we ever have into strengthening our faith. That's what I want to challenge you today. To think about going into this year and to put more effort in than you ever have. I'm not worried about the person sitting next to you, and I don't want you to start comparing your journey of faith with someone else and, you know, putting these unrealistic expectations in your mind. I just want to think about you to think about you against yourself. 
And what would it look like this year to put more effort into strengthening your faith than you ever have? You open to that today? Good. Well, let's look today at uh, 2 Peter, and he's going to talk about this in some really, really powerful ways. 2 Peter chapter 1, and I'm going to begin right at the first verse. It says that Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith, and if you have a copy of the scripture, you can underline this section, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this reason, make every, and say this word with me, make every effort, good job. And if you want to stretch that out to three syllables, that's just fine. Effort. I think in church you always add a syllable and you can't go wrong, you know. God, just sort of effort. Um, Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, Virtue with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love. Now, here's what happens when you put that effort in. If these qualities are yours and are increasing, not that you have them all figured out, not that you've hit the bullseye, but you're putting the effort in, you're trying, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, that's the result. They, they keep you growing. They keep your faith vibrant and healthy. So I want to talk about this idea of effort. Now, when we talk about effort, in the context of Christianity, it can be a little bit tricky. Because effort is not how we receive faith in a relationship with God. And I want to make that very, very clear. So effort, kind of in Christianity... It's a little bit of this weird relationship and can be a little bit um, difficult at times to understand the, the nuances of it, but, but I'm going to try to explain it to you the, the best that I can today. A great uh, writer named Dallas Willard, he says that grace, God's grace, God's love for us, is opposed to earning, to earning. You, you can't earn it, you can't buy it, you can't achieve it. You can't sort of, you know, climb up the ladder of good works and get it. He said it's opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. And this is a really, really important distinction. And Peter begins here, and and the first thing, if we're going to understand this whole concept, the first thing that we have to understand is that the foundation of our faith is rooted entirely, not in your effort or my effort, but in God's effort. And you have to understand this uh, with crystal clarity. You, there is nothing you can do this year. You can put all the effort in the world to growing in your relationship with God, to knowing him, to serving him. And at the end of 2024, if you put in all this amazing effort, he's not going to love you any more than he does right now through Jesus Christ. It, it's our, the, God's love and favor 
in a relationship with him, it's not built on your effort or my effort. And I don't want this for you, but 2024 can be a train wreck, and it can go really bad, and you can be as lazy as you've ever been in your faith, and guess what? He doesn't love you any less. That's why we call the gospel good news. That's good news for for broken and inconsistent people like us. Can I get an amen on that? The first thing we have to see is that this that this is all, it's built on God's effort, what God has done for us. And Peter says, he says, this faith that I have, he says, it's not just mine, but it's yours too. And it's a precious gift. It's a precious thing. Now that line right there is really easy to read over, but this is a huge thing that Peter's saying. If you're not sure who Peter is, he is uh, it was a, an original disciple, apostle of Jesus, and we can read about some of his life in the Gospels, some of the things he got right, some of the things he got wrong. Just always be thankful that you're not recorded in a Gospel. Because we try to forget our mistakes, Peter can't. Because they're like verse 14, you know what I'm saying? They're there for, for all of us. Um, so I'm thankful for that. But anyway, but, but Peter, he had this amazing experience where he lived and walked with Christ. But then, when Christ died and rose again, The scriptures tell us he hung around for 40 days. And in those 40 days, Peter got to hang out and talk and learn from the resurrected Christ himself. Now, we don't don't have a lot of information on this. The scripture doesn't give us a whole lot of detail. It's, It's very, very little in what it tells us. But could you imagine those conversations? I wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall? It's like, what did they talk about? What did Jesus say? What did, how did he direct Peter? What questions were asked? And how, like that, that would be so incredibly fascinating. And can you imagine how it would shape and change your faith? That when you talk about Jesus, you're like, listen, man, I hung out with him for 40 days after he died. Like, what, the way that that would Make your faith potent and vibrant seems significant to me. How about you? But look what Peter says, and I think this is so powerful. He says, the faith, the same that faith that I have, you have too. You're like, no, Peter, no, I've got the watered-down version. You hung out with Jesus for 40 days. You know, you got to see that you got to see the resurrected Christ. I talk about him, but I've never seen him. No, Peter says, your faith, because it's a precious gift from God, is as vibrant and potent as his faith was. How powerful is that? Because here's the deal. Your faith and my faith, it's not built on us. He says, it's built on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. See, the the power of our faith, is not in our ability to believe and trust God, but it is in the object of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. It's what we believe in that makes it great and powerful. And so Peter says, your faith, it's as powerful as mine if it's built on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If you're you're looking to him and believing in him and you're receiving that precious gift from God, you have this thing of infinite value and vibrancy at work in you. You with me on this, church? And that part is so, again, we cannot miss that part. He says it's the righteousness of Christ. 
God is a lot less, he's not interested in what you and I have to offer him today. God's not looking at us and be like, all right, Chet, uh, what are you going to give me in 2024? Because I don't have much to give him. And whatever I think I have, I'm probably overestimating. But here's what he's really interested in, is me seeing and receiving what he wants to give me, which is a gift of grace. And that's the foundation of Christianity. It's built not on what I do for God, but what God has done for me. And that part, sometimes it's hard to understand because you think, oh, I'm going to become a Christian today. I'm going to clean up my act. I'm going to stop swearing. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be nice to the neighbor. I'm going to help that blind squirrel cross the street. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but but we, we sort of get into that mindset where, again, it's, it's about what I'm going to do for God. But here's what the New Testament tells us again and again and again. No, that's not the way it works. It's about what Christ has done for you. It's about God's effort. You don't add to it and you don't diminish it. You just, you just receive it. I, I recently, I heard this interview with Teddy Atlas. He is a, a famous boxing trainer. He trained Mike Tyson when he was younger, um, and it didn't work out. They had this terrible falling out. Apparently, Mike Tyson's not the easiest guy to get along with. Shocker, right? <laughs> and they had this falling out, but he still, you know, trained many world champions and such. And he was talking about that, but he was talking about how he grew up. And he grew up in New York, and his dad was a doctor. And his dad was uh, just unbelievably devoted to his work. At all hours of the night, he would go and make house visits. He would, you know, Teddy Alice would say they'd be in the car and he would just pick people up off the street. and get. I mean, just so devoted to his work that it sounds it was absolutely unhealthy. And so Teddy Atlas said, I never had my dad's attention. Because his attention was always to people who were sick. And there is never a shortage of that, right? And so he said that as a kid, he, he looks back and he under, understands himself now. He didn't understand what he was doing when he was a kid, but he said, but when I was a kid and a teenager, you know, we lived in this nicer neighborhood. My dad was a doctor. They, you know, did okay. He said, but I would go down the hill to this really rough neighborhood. And he said, he got into everything bad, drugs, fighting, you know, experienced terrible things, did terrible things. Um, you know, and obviously he had this great opportunity where he was, but, but he just gravitated down this hill. And as an older man, he said, I realized what I was doing. My dad only gave his attention to sick and broken people. And so he said, I was trying to make myself a sick and broken person to get my dad's attention. In hindsight, he, he understood himself like, like we do, you know, but but he realized it, and, and he's like, and of course, that was not a strategy that worked. You know, he said, I just hurt myself. I hurt my family. Um, I did things that, that I regret, but, but that's what it was. He, was. he was longing for his father's love. And this is what we do, whether we realize it or not. Um, sons long for their father's love. It's a real, it's a powerful drive. We, we don't know that's what we want, uh, but it drives us. And I believe in an even deeper way, your soul longs for your heavenly Father's love. That, that, that is in you. 
And you can deny it, you can suppress it, you can try and run from it, but I'm telling you, it's there and it's powerful. And here's what we do. Like Teddy Atlas, we try to get it thinking that we have to become something different than we are today. We, we think that to get my Father's love, to get my Heavenly Father's love, I have to become something, probably we go this way, I have to become something better than I am today. I have to become something more than I am today. Here's the beauty of the gospel. Here's what Peter is showing us. Your Father's love, you don't have to become anything more than you are today to get it. Because it is not earned. It is not won. It is not achieved. It comes through the person of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And so, so each of us, can re- our heart can rest in the fullness of God's love because of him, because of what he's done, because of Christ, not because of us. And that's so powerful. And so Peter says, this is a precious thing. When, I think when it really makes sense, faith becomes precious to us. It becomes beautiful to us. It, it becomes valuable. It doesn't feel like more weight being added to our lives. It feels like the weight coming off. It doesn't feel like chains. It feels like a releasing from those chains. And Peter says that's because it's built on God's effort. So number one, we have to understand all of this, it's from God. It's to us as a gracious gift. But now here's where effort comes in. I was thinking about this uh, in an analogy. Hopefully it'll be helpful to you. But I'm not a car guy. Uh, I've never really been interested in cars. But my dad was a car guy. You know, growing up, that's, that's what he loved. And I know we've got some car guys in the church. Or car girls. I don't want to limit this. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, But I want you to imagine for a second, like, someone just gave you the most amazing car you could think of for free. And they're like, hey, I'm going to drop it off in the driveway. You know, and whatever whatever is like an amazing car to you, you know, like a Toyota Corolla 2017, um, you know, something like that. Just really four all four cylinders, just really wow you, you know. But whatever, just I want you to just imagine this. immaculate, perfect, every upgrade imaginable. Or if you, you know, you love the muscle cars, it's just restored perfectly. It's got a billion horsepower in it. You didn't know they had those, but they do. Um, and just this amazing thing. So imagine someone gives you, gives you this as a gift. They're like, this is yours, no cost, no strings attached, nothing. It's a gift. You're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then, and then imagine your spouse coming up to you and be like, hey, we got this amazing gift. Why don't we go, let's go on a date, you know? Let's go drive somewhere cool. And you're like, no, I, I don't want to drive it. Your spouse is like, I don't get it. <laughs> we got this amazing thing. Let's take it out. And you're like, no, I, I don't, I don't want to get in there. I don't want to turn the ignition on. I don't want to open the door. I don't want to sit in the seats. And then maybe this just goes on for time. Uh, you know, weeks and months and years, and your neighbor's like, dude, that's an awesome car. Like, how fast does it go? You're like, I have no idea. I've never turned it on. Your neighbor's like, you're a weirdo. I knew I didn't like you, but now I know why for sure. No, just kidding. Um, and uh, and, and you're, you have this beautiful treasure, this beautiful gift, but you never use it. This is, I think, what Peter is getting at. God's given us this precious, amazing gift 
but don't let it sit in the driveway. Open the door. Get in. It, it doesn't make you earn the gift. It's already been given to you. But take that thing for a spin. Open it up. Just kidding. I'm not condoning speeding here. <laughs> Unless you're late to church, then it's okay. You know? <laughs> no. But open that thing up and see, see what it's got. Let it be a blessing to you, right? And this is, I think, where effort comes in. We didn't get the car. It was gifted to us. But now we can put it to work. Now we can use it. And this is what Peter says. Man, God's given you this precious gift, but now bring effort to it. And he uses these two powerful ideas. First, he says, make every effort. And, and more literally, it's it just put your whole self, put the whole man behind it. Have you ever noticed it's easy to coast in life? It's easy to get into the bare minimum mentality. You ever notice that? Um, you have to keep pushing yourself not to do that, right? It's, it's easy to, uh, to look at different aspects of our life and just to, just to be consent, content with doing enough to get by. And I would say it's really easy to do that in our faith. Look, you can be a Christian for 30 years and pretty much be in the same spot that you started at and not have grown. And it doesn't mean God loves you less. It doesn't mean the work of Christ isn't going to forgive you and redeem you. Yeah, it will for sure. But here's what it means. We've kind of wasted the opportunity that the Lord gave to us. We just let it sit in the driveway. And we've robbed ourselves and others of that great gift. You with me on this, church? I think this is what Peter is getting at. And Peter's like, hey, I want you to put the fullness of who you are into strengthening your faith. What a beautiful thing to go through this year and to put the fullness of who we are into our faith. I love John Wooden's definition of success. It's my favorite definition of it. He says, it's a peace of mind, which is a direct result of self-satisfaction and knowing you did your best to become the best that you're capable of becoming. That's effort to me. Notice that that definition is not concerned without outcomes. Now, of course, he had great outcomes. He's, the, I believe, the most winningest uh, basketball, NCAA basketball coach in history. But you know what his focus was on? Effort. Did I, did I empty the tank of who I am in pursuit of what is important and matters to me? If I did that, I'm at peace. Doesn't mean I win every game. Doesn't mean I make every shot. Doesn't mean everything goes away. But you know what? I can sit back. I can lay my head on the pillow. I can be at peace because I gave it my best. I put the effort. And wouldn't it be beautiful to end this year with that sense of peace that says, you know what? I didn't serve God perfectly, but I tried harder than I ever had before. I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't bat, you know, perfectly. I swung and I missed and I, I failed, but that was more effort than I've ever put in to strengthening my faith. That's my prayer for you and me, that we would have that experience. And then Peter has this other word that helps us to understand it. It's just this really cool. It's called, we see add, just add, but, but that word, all the commentators point out, 
it was used in a very unique setting. That word was used in Greek and Roman plays when, you know, someone was putting together a play, there would be one person who would fund the chorus. You know, so they have the play going on, but then there's the music part of it. And this person would fund the chorus, and he would train and get the chorus up to where they need to be, you know, get them practiced and all that sort of thing. So then, during the play, this chorus, you know, would make it more interesting, add drama and all that kind of thing. Now, I don't know a lot about choirs. I was in choir in eighth grade, but that was where, that was the extent of it. But I, I do know, I did pick up a couple things, right? You got your bass singers in a choir, yes? You got tenors, yeah, good so far. You got, my I, I Lauren, you got sopranos? Help me out, guys. Okay, that's, that's where I run out right there. That's, but I know that the idea is you blend them all together, right? That the a choir is, they're going to get everybody in their range or whatever, and then they're going to they're gonna blend it all together. And the better that that director is able to do that, the better the experience is, the better the music, the better the song, the better the play ends up coming. So this is that idea, is that person who is, who is funding all that, but is also making it work and blending all these different elements into something that becomes greater as a whole. Now, here's what, here's what Peter's saying. He's saying there are all these elements to blend into your faith that are going to enrich it. And I want you to pull all of them together, and I want you to put them to work. And I want you to harmonize all of them into something that is going to strengthen your faith. And then he goes through all these virtues, all these different aspects. And this is kind of the ladder, is what I call it, the ladder of faith. And, and here's the first one that he says. And I'm just going to kind of give you simple, I hope helpful definitions for these. He says, number one, add, bring into the mix virtue. There's another really interesting Greek word, erite. Um, and it has a lot of, there's a lot, you can read a whole, Don recommended a book to me on that word. And it's really good. There's so much behind this word, but let me just kind of say it simply uh, to you. It's the, the daily moral energy that strives to make our faith a little stronger than yesterday. It's a mindset that says, I'm not going to be complacent, but I'm going to just try to grow a little bit each day. That's virtue. It's an, I'm, not, I'm not just going to be content to uh, stay where I'm at for the next 12 months, but just little steps at a time. I'm going to try and grow my faith. Adding that in there, that, that mindset. The second one is knowledge. That's very straightforward. Grow in our understanding and deepening of our faith. Maybe this year, maybe that's your focus point. That you need to put effort into learning and understanding God more. My brother, the Apostle Dave Gardner, is going to, I, I've dubbed him that, uh, is going to uh, do a theology class. Uh, during our 9.30 service. It's great content. You can make it accessible. Um, and if you want to grow and understand some of these deeper realities of God, um, hop in there. There's so many different opportunities to grow your faith if you put effort in. Books, podcasts, other people in the church. So Their opportunities are all out there, but will we put the effort? Maybe some of us this year, uh, make a decision that you're going to start reading the scriptures for yourself. Get a plan. Get an app on your phone. Get a plan. Start really simple. Start slow. But you know what you'll do? You'll grow in your knowledge. 
and it will strengthen your faith. The next word is self-control. Inner strength to do what we don't want to do, but should do. Can I get an amen on that? Anybody like, yeah, Lord, I I need to add that to my faith mix. Uh, Do what I don't want to do, but I should do. That's self-control. It's it's really, it's the inner strength. I I was listening to uh, Andrew Huberman. He's a neuroscientist podcast, kind of a famous podcast. But he talked about how they've found fairly recently this part of your brain, I'm going to try and say it, anterior mid-cingulate cortex. Ballpark, ballpark. You can Google it later. It's something like that. But, but he was ta- he's saying, but here's what they found about this part of your brain. It diminishes or grows when you do stuff that's good for you that you don't want to do or you don't do stuff that you should. It, it, it actually, and you can see this on brain images. And he said, so like athletes who are a lot of times doing stuff they know they should do but don't want to do, this part of their brain is much bigger. On people who watch a lot of TV and eat a lot of food like me, it's, it's probably smaller. You know, you get how this works. Um, but that's, that's this idea. And I just found it fascinating that God has made us that self-control affects our physiology in ways that I think are, can really be helpful to us um, and, and not only our spirit. Steadfastness, not giving up when it gets hard. Alice Cooper, remember that guy? He, he's, he had this great quote. He said, uh, being a rock star is easy, but if you want to do something hard, be a Christian. He's like, you go, Alice Cooper. You and all your weird makeup and stuff, whatever. You go, brother. Um, but, uh, but, but that's true. You know, it, the journey, it's, it's not for the faint at heart. Uh, growth is the, the easiest thing in the world is to coast in our faith, is to push all these issues to later on at some point when I have more time and energy. But yet, that's where we miss what really matters. That's where the car is just sitting in the driveway and this precious gift. We don't get to experience the full power and blessing of it. Giving up when it gets hard. Then godliness, he says. Godliness is just asking. It's, it's putting the effort in to ask first what pleases and honors God. That takes effort to do that. I know I should do that, and I still find myself not doing that all the time. I still find myself all the time making decisions, making plans, going forward, only to realize, oh, wait, dude, you didn't even pray about that. And you're a pastor, dude. Take this guy's card away. I don't really have a card, but I would voluntarily give it up today if I did. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but, but it's, it's just we need to grow in that. We need to put effort towards that. To, you know, sometimes you, you have to slow your life down to discern God's voice, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that because I got all this stuff on my list, you know, but, but, but that's godliness. What pleases God? Then this one, brotherly affection, treating people we love better for God's sake, not ours. See, here's what I love about Peter's list. Faith doesn't end with you. It, it flows through you, right? We, we can't, you know, say, oh, I've got this beautiful, robust faith, and then we're a jerk to our family and friends, you know, then we're like, yeah, we're, we're a Christian, but we treat everybody like garbage. No. 
That is, that is a, an immature faith that needs grown. And he says, here's where it goes. It goes to brotherly affection, treating people we love better for God's sake, not ours. Sometimes you may not be able to treat your spouse better for your sake, but you can still do it for God. Sometimes you, you may not, you know, your kids, man, I, I love my kids. They have been testing my patience lately, church. I love them. I love them so much. But man, I also realize I'm not near as patient as I thought I was. And I'm trying to grow, you know. But I think, and this is a good reminder for me, I'm going to treat them not according to their sake. They're lucky they're cute right now too, man. That help, I don't know how much that helps them. But, uh, but it, it, it's for God's sake. That's, that's the drive, for God's sake. And then here's the last one, love. When people don't deserve Christ-like love, we give it to them anyway. Our culture, we define love in a radically different way than the Bible does. And our way of thinking, love is about self-fulfillment. And we think about it that way. We think about um, how does this fulfill me? What value does this add to my life? All this kind of thing. And, and of course, love results in that. But this word always has the connotation, not of self-fulfillment, but of self-sacrifice. And that's a very different way of thinking about it. So it, it's about not what, what am I receiving, but what is God calling me to give? And am, am I willing to do that? That's this idea. And there are many times where we're going to face people, closest people we don't know, and, and we're going to have moments where we can grow in this, we can add this to our faith, um, or we can miss that opportunity. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat you the way I think Christ wants, you, wants me to treat you, not the way you're behaving today. I'm going to treat you the way Christ wants me to treat you, not the way that I feel like you deserve right now. You with me? It's a different approach, and it's powerful. Now, here's what Peter says. If we pursue these things, we will have a faith that is fruitful and productive. What I love is he doesn't say, if you hit the bullseye on all these things, your faith will be healthy. Because, church, you're not going to hit the bullseye. That's not the point. The point is the effort. He says, if you, if you are increasing in those, hey, maybe you, you went from 0% to 1%. That's an increase. Maybe you went from 0.2% to 0.21%. <laughs> That's an increase. Guess what? Your faith is fruitful and effective. And that's the goal. And, and it's about effort. And the real risk this year, church, is not all the things that we will try and fail. That is not the risk you have to worry about. The real risk is inaction. The real risk is staying put. The real risk is just playing it safe and being comfortable where we're at and cocooning there rather than taking a step with God. You with me on this? Now, as a church, we want to support you in this, and I want to just give you uh, four quick thoughts um, about this. Number one, I believe that some of us, we have been thinking about our relationship with God. We've been learning. We've been drawn to the person and work of Jesus Christ, but we've never committed our life to him. It's a good idea, 
and it's up there in our mind, but we've never just had that moment of just authentic prayer where we said, Lord, just I want to receive this gift. It's on your effort, not mine. I want to receive it. I want to follow you. I, I want to begin 2024 as your son and your daughter. And you just unreservedly give your life to Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage some of you to do that at the beginning of this year. Just to, just to decide, just to take that step and just to open your heart to that good work. And here's what's so cool about that. If you do that, um, dude, you've just won 2024. You can sit on the couch. I'll forget all the effort stuff I said. You just sit on the couch. <laughs> you made it. Uh, the grace, and we have lots to celebrate. And if you've done that, we're going to do baptism in a couple weeks. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to glorify God. We want to uh, encourage you in that journey. And you, can, you got that card when you came in. You can fill that out, check it off. And what there, I could think of no better way to start 2024 than that. For some of us, I want to give you a different option. We have our Connect class, and this class is about growing in your own faith, but it's also about understanding God's purpose for your life and getting connected to the life of this church. It's going to start in a few weeks, uh, I believe in February, and if you're like, kind of, you're like, all right, what's the right first step for me? Tony, that's the right first step. Fill that out. We'll follow up with you, give you the details, and you can get connected. Others of you, maybe none of that sounds good, but you're like, I, you know, I, I would love to just have a conversation um, about serving or growing or getting connected to a group. We'll have a lot more about that next week, but we got a box for you there. You can fill that out, um, and we'll follow up with you and just talk and say, all right, man, what, what would be helpful? What would be a support to you um, on your journey? We'll try and figure that out together. And then here's the last thing. It's been, uh, 2023 was such a, a special year for our church. And one of the really cool things was just seeing God um, grow and build and strengthen our church in a special way. Um, we had just record Sunday after record Sunday of people coming and people getting connected. Um, and, and I'm so grateful for that. And just ever since COVID, as every year has gone by, I've noticed this phenomenon. I've noticed just a unique openness to God in the world. A unique openness. Now, I know you're like, I don't know about that, Chet, because I watch the news. I know. But you, you watch it for five minutes, and you're you know, convinced hell is freezing over. You, you go, but, but I'm telling you, there's another story at work in the world that you're not going to hear a lot about. But it's the story of what God is doing in reaching people. And I'm telling you, we've seen it in our church. It, it's something unique, and it's not just our church. I have a lot of friends that are pastors in Northeast Ohio, and we'll talk sometimes, and everybody's saying the same thing. They're saying people are hungry for God. People are open to him in a way that they've just, we haven't seen before. I'm sure it's probably happened before, but we just haven't seen it or experienced it. People, and, and here's just my personal theory, is I think since 2020 on, you know, every, everything that you sort of put your stock in in the world kind of failed you. You're like, well, I can't rely on this. I can't rely on that. I can't, you know, I don't know what. It, it was such a shock to the system. But here's what I think it did to the human soul. It said, all right, all this stuff that we see, that's not it. There's got to be more. And I think it created this incredible spiritual hunger. And there has never been a greater opportunity to share the good news of Jesus. I believe that in my heart. I feel like I've seen it. 
Jesus said to his generation, he said, I want you to look at the world. And he said, the fields are white unto harvest. Here's what Jesus was saying to his disciples. He was saying, hey, people are hungry and open to God. They're ripe for the harvest. That's what he meant. They're, they're, they're ripe. They're, they're open. They're ready. But then Jesus said these words. But the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Jesus said that to his generation, but I think those words are meant to be read and understood in every generation. I think those words are true today. The harvest is plentiful. People are open. They're hungry for God. They need him. Some of them know they need him. Some of them, they don't know they need him, but they need a friend. They need someone to come alongside them. They need a church that can meet them where they're at. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. But the people of God, they're not putting a whole lot of effort in. You hear that? The effort is what's missing. See, as Christians, we're always like, oh, the world's so messed up. And Jesus is like, yeah, it's messed up, but, but it's ripe, too. And we always are, are, are looking, and Jesus said, he's, he's saying, hey, look in the mirror. Where's your effort? Where's your effort? What, what are you doing? So I read those words of Jesus, and I'm kind of haunted by them. And I read them, and here's what I always pray in my heart. I'm like, all right, Lord, I'm going to be one of the few. Our church is going to be one of the few. I'm going to believe the harvest is plentiful. I see it. I feel it. I know it. And we're going to be a church that's in the field. If we got to do double duty, we're strong. We'll do it. Most of you work out, you know. You <laughs> You're a bunch of savages. We'll do it, Lord. We'll take other people's share. We don't care. Uh, because this is an opportunity. So here's, here's what it means this year for our church. So um, just kind of as our church has grown, we're going to add a Thursday night service. We're, yeah, man, we're going to, thank you. Give me some, yeah, come on. Um, we want to create more room for harvest. So uh, as you know, man, it, it's hard to get people in and out of here, parking, kids ministry, all that stuff. Just in the last year, it continues to, to add up, and we have amazing volunteers, amazing teams working. But if God blesses us this year, if there are as many people that God wants to reach in 2024 as he did in 2023, we've got we've to create more space, right? You don't, you don't invite people into your house and say, oh, well, by the way, we don't really have room for you. You can stand in the closet. Uh, it, it's, it's not, that's not what we do. Um, and so, so here's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to start that. My, my hope is to start in the first quarter of this year. I hope that, number one, it's a true alternative um, for many of you. You know, I know sports, busyness, uh, travel, work, all these kinds of things. Um, so we want it to be a true alternative option, um, you know, that can be a blessing to you and to your family. Um, we also want to just be able to create more opportunity and space to reach people and connect them to Christ. Um, now, we have amazing people that serve here every Sunday. We have amazing volunteers and amazing teams, and my intent is not to just stretch what we already have. My intent is to build new. It's to build new teams and new volunteers. And so if that is on your heart to help get that going, get that figured out, um, I've got that on the card. Fill it out. Uh, just check that box. Here's the deal. You're not signing up in blood, okay? Not yet, at least. 
no, but but truly, if you're like, yeah, that interests me, but kind of tell me more. Like, you don't you don't have to um, decide now. We're gonna have a meeting and talk more about what that could look like. But but here's here's what I am absolutely passionate about. This is a special moment. God is at work, friend. I know many of you know it, you believe it, you see it. I'm telling you, it's a special time. It's an opportunity. What do you do with opportunities? You make the most of them through effort. That's it. What do you, how do you waste opportunities? You don't put the effort in. That's it. I'm telling you, this is an opportunity. Church, for you, this year, I did two funerals uh, just in the last two days, back to back. And every time I'm at a funeral, I'm reminded life is truly a gift. We say things like that, but it's true. It's true. We don't know. We, we don't have it all, the roadmap of our life. We only have right now. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? How do you make the most of it? Effort. Effort. And that's my challenge to you, to me, and to us as a church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your gift to us, for the gospel built on your effort and not ours. First of all, Lord, I thank you for that. We want to receive that today with open, with humble, with grateful hearts. And Father, as we contemplate that gift now, help us to have a drive, have a new motivation to put more effort than we ever have into our own faith journey. Father, save us from playing that comparison game where we think we got to be like this person or that person. No, Lord, it's not about that. Help us to be better than we were yesterday and help us to experience the richness of your blessing. I ask all this in the great name of Jesus. Amen.